you know him, you love him. KC meteorologist and noted pet lover Gary Lezak is on the show today. Plus, what kind of pet training methods work best? We might have the answer. All that and more here on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. And yes, indeed, welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the room we call the Fish Bowl here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit that keeps pets and people together through supportive services for folks who are in need. And this month, January 2021 only, we got a special going on. Yes, a special. A Very special. special. Special, special. Special, special. So $30 full set vaccinations for both adult dogs and cats. So for dogs, rabies, distemper, and parvo, and bordetella, and then for cats, rabies, and FVRCP, you do not need a code. It's open for everyone. So you can just go online to our website or call us to make an appointment. Yep, and that is for dogs and cats six months or older. And if you're anything like me, it's easy to remember. We're entering the new year, so you think new year. Oh, my pet is due for vaccination, so yep. it just gets you in a good habit. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, why don't we head over to some pet news? Let's do it. So first off on this episode, a study of 99 dogs at seven dog training schools in Portugal is giving us some new information about different training methods and what effects they have on dogs. In the first large-scale study of its kind, researchers filmed training sessions and measured levels of cortisol in the dog's saliva, which is an indicator of stress. Dogs were either uh, trained with either aversive methods, which is punishment, reward methods, which is giving a reward for the exhibition of positive behavior, or a mixture of both methods. And what they found was that dogs trained using aversive methods had more cortisol in their saliva after training and displayed more stress-related behaviors like crouching and yelping. They also performed a cognitive bias test outside of the training environment and found that dogs trained using aversive methods responded more pessimistically to those situations than dogs trained with mixed or reward methods. And it makes sense. We were chatting a little bit before, but it's like somebody gives you a cookie to do something, you're going to do it. Yeah. But if you if you don't do it and then they hit you with the stick, you're not going to want to do it anymore because... You're getting hit with stick. Right. Or you may do it just so that you don't get hit with the stick, but it's not really becoming like a learned behavior. It's becoming a fear mechanism. Yeah. And then you're scared all the time that you're going to get hit with a stick right. when you really just want the cookie yeah, for being a good a little boy or girl. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Speaking of, we have another story and it's One of my favorite stories, it's about a little Rottweiler named Jakey, and she really knows what's important, which is carbs. Everybody loves carbs. So you see, she protects the house's bread, and she doesn't eat it. She just keeps it safe, and she's done so since they moved into the to their farmhouse about four years ago and it doesn't matter if it's on the counter in the bread box the pantry even in the fridge wherever wherever it is she will find it and then she takes it behind the couch lays right next to it or puts it in the closet for safekeeping and then when her mom (laughs) gets home (laughs) she'll lead her mom exactly to the spot where the bread is at yep keeping it safe and if there's no bread she goes and she gets cookies And I read 17 cookies. She picked them up and placed them in different parts of the house without breaking a single cookie. And then her mom said that if there's no cookies or any other baked goods, then she'll get, she'll move on to the butter, which (laughs) 
I can add a little short story here. When I was a kid, my mom would be baking, and every time she would have the butter out on the counter, I would like steal the butter and go hide underneath the counter or (laughs) underneath the table, sorry. And I would just dip my fingers in it and then eat it and then go put it back. And there's like these fingerprints. Yeah, big finger marks in the butter. That's hilarious. So Jakey is definitely my type of dog. I mean, Beasley, I've talked about her and her little bread issue. Mm-hmm. She likes to eat it when I'm gone, but maybe I can use positive reinforcement mm-hmm. to have her guard it. Yeah, I think that sounds fantastic. I mean, I hopefully just not touch it at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be ideal, but Jakey is cute. So, uh, Why don't we go talk to Gary Lezak? Alrighty. You might know our guest today as the Chief Meteorologist at KHSB 41 Action News since 1999. You might know him as number one in weather forecasting here in Kansas City, but you definitely know him as a friend to animals and an all-around good guy. Gary Lezak, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Thank you. I'm very excited to be part of this. Thank you very much for having me. I'm sorry it was in such a hurry. Oh, no worries at all. So we'll just go ahead and hop right into it. And it's only right to start the interview off talking about your two pups, Sunny and Rainbow. So tell us a little bit about them and how they came into your life. It's incredible. I've got two dogs now, Sunny and Rainbow, and uh, we'll call them Sunny and Rainbow, the weather dogs. I've had uh-huh. in the past Wendy, the weather dog, back in the 1990s. I adopted her in 1991 when she was a little over a year old. And then I had Stormy and Windy, then Stormy, Windy, and Breezy, then Breezy and Stormy, then Breezy, Stormy, and Sunny, and then Sunny all by herself. And then we adopted <laughs> Rainbow uh, a little over a year ago, and it's been a blessing. These dogs are just tremendous. They go almost everywhere with me, and they both know tricks, and I love them unconditionally. And, of course, they love me unconditionally, which yeah. is amazing. Of course, of course. And so you mentioned that you adopted them. So why do you choose to adopt um, I chose to adopt through what I learned over the many, many years and how, how many homeless pets there are out there. And when I first started in my career, uh, we had the Humane Society and other pet adoption uh, agencies on our shows. And, and, and I, uh, when I adopted Wendy uh, years ago, actually friends of mine adopted her from this place called Second Chance Animal Sanctuary in Norman, Oklahoma, and I went and and uh, they let me take Wendy home with me. But I learned that the best pets, uh, you can have the best pets, the, the, uh, uh, you know, 15 years of your life with these dogs, uh, just through adoptions. You can get the, the mixed dogs. You can get purebred dogs, I'm sure. But those mixed breed dogs are just tremendous. Rainbow is a black lab mix. Not sure exactly what. I wonder if it's Great Dame. She's not that big. And then Sunny is Australian Shepherd mix. And they're both all wonderful and so unique. And adopting is a is just a, a great experience. Yeah, I have a little rescue myself. Her name is Maybe, and I got her from Wayside Waves back in 2018. And she actually looks a lot like your little Sunny. She's a little tan shepherd mix, and she has the black along her back and her ears. And she's just a doll. She's spunky, but, you know, she's still a little nervous. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. But, yeah, mean the world to me. 
And so it seems like you've grown up with pets for most of your life. So big picture, what do they mean to you and what types of impacts have they have have they had on you long term? Well, the the impact they have on me every single minute of every single day, it seems like to me. I mean, uh it's just amazing what what dogs teach you, um, what uh adoptables teach you and just through their unconditional love. I'm watching Rainbow right now. She's analyzing this, the the field beyond our condo here on the plaza, and she's just making sure everything's safe, and she's so smart and so wonderful. Uh, it's just a great experience. I mean, it's it's uh, when I was uh, in the hospital with cancer in 1999, Wendy uh, was an inspiration. Um, uh, my partner, Andy, was able to bring Wendy to the hospital, and and uh, it, 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 the dogs are just a big, huge part of my life. I love playing with them. I love taking them for walks. I love sharing my life with them, and I think they love sharing their life with me. Yeah, and we talk to plenty of clients almost every day or clients who have said to us literally that their pets have saved their lives, that they don't have anybody else, unfortunately, to be there for them, so they lean on their pets and it's it's just a, a bond and experience that you can't really find anywhere else. And so it seems that your love of pets is deeply rooted and that is what drives the work that you do in animal welfare. So could you talk to us a little bit more about that and the type of work you do locally and why it matters to you? Yeah, I've been involved with the Humane Society of Greater Kansas City. Uh, we had a pet telephone for 20 years, and um, it was always quite an experience to adopt pets and bring awareness to adopting pets. And then Wayside Waves has had this furball that I've been MC of for years and involved in other things with them. And and um, I, I like to be involved with as many agencies as I possibly can be. And uh, it's it's very rewarding, you know. It's these these adopting adopting agencies are very very important uh, to be funded, and I hope to help them in that area, so so they can have the best conditions for these animals to live while they're waiting to be adopted, and then having the services to uh, keep them healthy. Uh, so it's it's been ex- an amazing. I've been involved with it for so long. Since uh, when I came to Kansas City in 1992, I immediately got involved with some of these uh, events, and I've been doing it ever since, and it's real rewarding. Yeah, and you do a great job of being a voice for the homeless pets in our community, and so why does that, why is that so important to you? It's, it's great. It's great to be involved in, in something that inspires others, and I believe getting this you know, pet into your home and having them share their lives with you uh, is is incredible. And and so by being involved with the agencies and seeing other people's experiences and these success stories and 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 these touching stories of saving animals and, and just just watching the bond develop with families and their dogs. It's, it's really tremendous. It really feels good. It's a feel-good experience every day. Of course, and that's why, from our perspective, it's so important to provide those families with the resources they need. You know, not everyone might not have access to the same um, type of 
resources. And so why do you believe that everyone deserves to have a pet, regardless of their situation? I think everyone does. I mean, the the people that don't have, I have some friends that don't really understand. Uh, They they think it's too much responsibility somehow. You, it may be at first, it may be at first when you have the, when you first bring in this animal into your life, but the rewards far, far outweigh the, the growing pains that you might have at the beginning. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I can't explain it further, but everyone should have a pet. It is, you know, there's some, some type of pets might be better for some people, dogs and cats, types of dogs, try to get the right match for your family and your home. It is just such a great experience. Oh, it's the most difficult thing in the world. And there's Sunny in the background. Uh, it's the most difficult thing in the world when, when they when they only get to spend 10, 12, 15 years with you. Um, I've been fortunate to have a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a couple 14-year-old dogs. It's a long time, a long life they have. But that experience, the end-of-life experience is, is always difficult. And and right now, I just have two wonderful dogs, and they're young, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to celebrate every single day. Sonny, who's barking in the background, is five years old. Rainbow is sitting right in front of me wondering, why is Sonny barking? I think she knows. And she's one-year-old. They're just amazing. Amazing experience to be to spend spend with them. They know that we're talking about them, huh? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Sunny sees something out there, and it's—I don't think—I don't see anything. So I don't know what she's saying. Maybe it's a squirrel. But you mentioned earlier that um, finding the pet (laughs) that's—that's perfect for your home is so important, and that made me start thinking about why it's so important to start to adopt. Because, you know, there's so many. Hold on. Ask me that question. Sonny, come over here. Come over here. There you are. Come over here. Okay, yeah, ask me again. And so it's just so important to find the right pet for your family. And so there's so many different types of pets that you can find in the shelter um, with different personality, different ages, all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to add that in there because it made me think about that. Um, do you have anything Absolutely. else? All, those things, all those things need to be considered. And, and then you can, you go meet, meet with the, the, the pet that's going to be your forever. You're going to give this pet a forever home. And, um, it, it is important to make sure you have the right fit and, and the family understands what the responsibilities are. I tend to be, I tend to walk rainbow and sunny, way not too often i don't think there's too often but five six walks a day are fine with me you know i think they're mm-hmm. happy with that but mm-hmm. i don't think I, I think i'm probably above average on the number of walks i give them well do you have anything big coming up that you're working on in animal welfare or little projects here and there just little projects here and there with the pandemic a lot of things are virtual and i'm still involved uh, with with the events that I've been involved with, but you know it's been a tough year. It's been a very difficult year, and and uh, my my dogs have been a, a blessing and a great great positive in this strange pandemic twenty twenty year, which we're, which we're about to become twenty twenty one. So the dogs are your constant. They're amazing, unconditional love. 
And um, hopefully 2021 is going to be a much better year for all of us. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you, Gary. We know you're a busy man. So um, we appreciate you sitting down to chat with us about your pets, but also why the work you do in animal welfare is so important. So we'll go ahead and let you go, okay? Thank you very much, and Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. I hope everyone is safe, and, and watch out. There could be a couple storms coming up. Right, we're <laughs> going to get some snow soon. All righty. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Because it's winter and because it's cold and we're naturally spending less time outside, we thought we'd spend some time today talking about enrichment. Now, what is enrichment? Well, it's the means by which we keep pets from being bored as well as teach them how to entertain themselves, which is something I think we all know a little about after last year. A non-bored pet means a satisfied pet, less likely to act up or get into something they're not supposed to. It's just better for everybody. Now, for dogs, you do need to take them outside, and that doesn't mean just opening the door and letting them go potty. We know it's cold, but taking them on walks, for example, is a great way to stimulate their brain by letting them use that awesome sense of smell that they have and experiencing whatever surprises await you on your route, which, speaking of, you should vary your route. Giving them a new and varied stimuli helps keep their brains going. Another great way to enrich your pet's life is through food and treats. Providing puzzle feeders can not only help discourage scarfing down all that food at once, but giving them a little bit of challenge plays into their hunting and foraging skills. You don't even have to buy a puzzle feeder. There are tons of designs online for you to put one together. Interactive toys are another way to provide enrichment. Cat owners are no stranger to the fishing pole or the laser pointer. My dogs love that too. And uh, lots of dogs like to chase stuff. So another enrichment toy for our dogs is the hollowed stuffed Kong toy. Putting a base of something sticky like peanut butter in it, or it makes it a little bit harder for them to get things out. And it's a good way for them to problem solve and work at the same time, keeping them busy for a long time. Something that's equally important, especially as you ramp up your pet's enrichment, is for them to have a comfort zone or quiet spots. For dogs, it's something as simple as a favorite place to lay where they can be left alone. It allows them to decompress and feel safe. For cats, this often means providing a space up high where they can be alone, especially in a multi-cat household. Uh, Providing one of those higher spaces by a window is nice too, by the way. They'll get to watch birds and squirrels and whatnot, which is also great enrichment. And finally, it's not just young pets that need this type of enrichment. It's all pets. And they've all got different activity levels and thresholds, but all pets need enrichment just like we do. Just because they like to lie around all day doesn't mean they wouldn't benefit from or love something new and exciting, even if it's just sniffing something different, which they do all the time anyway. So Right. You might as well help them out. <laughs> just help them out with it. Right. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks again to Gary Lezak for being on the program today. As for us, we're a nonprofit trying to keep pets and people together in this crazy mixed up world. And you can help us by donating or volunteering at PRCKC.org. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us. And while you're at it, follow us on social media. We're at PRR Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the philosopher Immanuel Kant wrote, he who is cruel to animals becomes hard also in his dealings with men. We can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. Take care.
Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted and produced by Sierra Howe and myself, Dave Shapiro, recorded, mixed, and edited by Dave Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries. 